0: You are entering the Freedom Hut.
1: We are days away from the historic summit with Kim Jong-un and President Trump. What can we expect will happen and what should we be looking for? Also, uh, another look at whether Russia should be included once again in the G7 and some fresh pardons that Trump is considering. What will we make of that and what is the left going to say if he keeps on Making the right moves there. That and more coming up. This, this is, is the
0: Buck Sexton Show, where the mission Our mission—is to decode what really matters with actionable intelligence.
2: Russia. One small thing. Make no mistake. America, but it's great. you're a great American. Again,
0: the Buck Sexton Show begins. Activate. Former CIA analyst, former member of the NYPD. Buck Sexton.
2: It is Buck Sexton. Now,
1: welcome to the Buck Sexton Show. We are here on Friday together. Thank you so much for being here. Great to uh have a chance to chat with you. Uh it is a it is a Friday. So 844-900-2825. 844 844-900 900 buck. Uh, I have to say I I really like I really like the, uh, the the Trump approach so far on pardons. I've been discussing this with you all for a while. But I think that the president understands that it's yet again one of these opportunities where he has the chance to clarify. He has the chance to show that no matter what action he takes, there are people with platforms in the media who will try to tear him down for it. Trump can pardon people that the left has been raging about their incarceration for years. Trump can do very clear outreach to uh, minority groups or whatever it may be. They will try to tear him down for it. And I I saw today there's the possibility of a... uh, Well, here we we have the president talking about it. Play clip
2: seven. There will be more pardons. I thought Alice yesterday was beautiful. I thought Jack Johnson which was recommended by Sylvester Sloan and some great boxers. I'm thinking about somebody that you all know very well, and he went through a lot, and he wasn't very popular then. He Certainly his memory is very popular now. I'm thinking about Muhammad Ali.
1: Muhammad Ali may, in fact, be the next, the next pardon. Now, it would be a posthumous pardon, Uh, It would be, obviously, after uh, Muhammad Ali's passed away, and there is also the fact that he is covered under, I believe, a larger uh, amnesty. He didn't register for selective service, and so, but it's a gesture. Now, people could say that the gesture is, I don't know, some will say that it's the right thing to do, others will say it's an empty gesture, but notice how the battle lines here are drawn specifically by those who like Trump and those who don't like Trump the battle lines will not be about whether this was something that at a previous point in time the left would have said, you know what? It's, a, it's something that needs to happen, something that needs to get done. So he shows us once once again that this is all about opposing Trump no matter what the cost, no matter what the issue. And on pardon specifically, it is a way to remind all of us that what we've been told for the last year over the Russia-Trump collusion situation, what we've been told for the last year is that the FBI is infallible. Okay, I, I, I'm, I overstate. The FBI is largely beyond reproach. The media, the media will trash cops, but FBI leadership in D.C., they deserve... Nothing but the utmost respect. Total patriots like James Comey. Although, let's remember that when that IG report comes out. uh, Above blame and above reproach. um, The IG report is going to, I think, put many large holes in that notion. But they've been relying on Trump is undermining our institutions. He's undermining our institutions. And that's also part of the drumbeat of those institutions have functions. Those functions... Result in uh, decisions, and, and those decisions must be respected, right? That the process gives us an outcome, and the outcome is something that we have to accept. So whether they decide to indict Hillary or not, it's that's the way it is, right? Because they have the right... We shouldn't think about whether this is just, whether it's politicized, whether there were other indicators here, other things that should be brought into our consideration of the issue the process is all we need to know with pardons though all of a sudden you hear them say whoa whoa, trump shouldn't you know he can't do that well yeah he can do that and he is doing it and this is yet another moment where you see that the executive as emperor that was went into overdrive under the obama administration and people like me on record all conservatives that I know who do this for a living were saying, you know, guys, you, you, this stuff with the executive orders and with the... Remember, Obama would say things out loud like, you know, and I've got to put on a phone. And and he would say that he was going to go around Congress. And the left would cheer for this. Right? The left would cheer. They would say, oh my gosh, you know, he's not going to allow obstruction to stand in the way. Well, that's actually the function of That's actually the function of those different bodies, right? That's the the purpose of Congress is to make decisions about whether or not Congress is going to pass certain laws. It's not to say, hey, hey, President, what law should we pass? Oh, cool, that law? Sign me up. That's not the way it's supposed to go. That is not the way that uh, this should be looked at. But they... Dispensed with all that when it came to Obama, and now with Trump, all of a sudden they're like, "Whoa, executive power!" There's a lot of, a lot of power in the executive, and you know we we warned them, but they didn't care because power is the ultimate end goal. It's the the single most important desire of progressivism is the uh, attainment of power and wielding power. That's it. Everything else, you know, the ideology, they'll shoehorn other things into it. It is all about the state and what the state can do. And so it's with that in mind that I see these pardons and the discussion of them and how they are opposed to it, but they can't say that it's, this is so clear cut, right? The president can pardon people. He has that power. They say, oh, well, he went outside the normal channels or they're complaining that celebrities are getting, pardon is arbitrary, folks. It always has been. Who gets a pardon? Whoever the president wants. Kind of like firing people. Who can the president fire in the executive branch that is answerable to him in the chain of command? Well, he could fire James Comey as he did for any reason or no reason. That is his right. Just like he can decide that he wants to pardon somebody because he likes their boat shoes. You know what I mean? He can pardon somebody for any reason and, and they still try to find ways to oppose us. There's this this pathetic Clawing at the, uh, at the last, you know their last effort here to trying to find something with, with Trump that uh, is unconstitutional has gone. But no, it's all there. He's done what he's supposed to do. He's been doing what he should do all along. But he also threw an interesting, an interesting uh, addition into things today. Hat to producer Mike for bringing this one to my attention. got people asking him questions. He's on his way to a... He's got a press gaggle. He's on his way to a meeting. And he put this out there. And this ties in protests uh, with the NFL and pardons. Pardons that could be coming in the future. Play clip 10.
2: Instead of talk, it's all talk, talk, talk. We have a great country. You should stand for our national anthem. You shouldn't go in a locker room when our national anthem is played. I am going to ask all of those people to recommend to me because that's what they're protesting. People that they think were unfairly treated by the justice system. And I'm going to take a look at those applications. And if I find and my committee finds that they're unfairly treated, then we will pardon them or at least let them out.
1: The President's now turning to NFL players and saying, look, you know, b- bring it to my attention. Who, who has been who has been unfairly treated? Who has been? over incarcerated or perhaps even incarcerated unjustly who the answer is we'll see but are they not willing to engage because i saw that earlier in the week kim kardashian shows up with a specific request in mind and and put it put aside for the moment whether you agree and i, I read that uh, note yesterday during roll call from somebody who disagrees with the pardon that Trump signed uh, for that uh, w- woman who had been in prison for 20 years for drug conspiracy. i put that aside for a moment. Kardashian had an ask. She's a citizen. She's petitioning her government. She's going to talk. To the, and it's at least it's a request for clemency, right? It's not a request for some green energy boondoggle or you know, throw more funds my way courtesy of the taxpayer. And we'll call it something else you know, stimulus or something. So, they were willing to criticize that. They won't even make the allowance there of, "Hey, we're against him on most stuff, but on this we'll finally we'll finally stop." And I, I just believe that the, uh, the Trump derangement syndrome has gotten to a point now where the only way, the only way forward is to just keep hammering them, just keep pushing them, keep s- force them to come out and say things that expose how unfair the media's treatment of the president is, how unfair their framing, their narrative of this entire administration has been and will continue to be, and hopefully bring about some change in that behavior, change in those attitudes. I don't know if it's possible, but I also know that there's really not much of an alternative. There's not much of an alternative. And and the power of, uh, of pardons is something that President Trump has wielded very, very effectively so far. You know, he's not letting people out that everyone goes, oh my gosh, you know that guy's,
0: a, that
1: guy's an axe murderer. We can't let him out of prison. Nope. He is picking cases that bring to mind not just the specific injustices of those cases, but he's reminding us all, don't put too much faith in this system, folks. I mean, yeah, it's the system we've got. And we're trying to make it better. And, but let's not act like it's infallible and certainly not act that way because of a partisan impulse. And that's what's been happening here. You know, that's what's been happening. Oh, I have to say there was much more uh, scrutiny of Trump's pardon of... Uh, Mike, the name is Alice. Her name is uh, Scaby. What's her last name? Alice Marie Johnson. Thank you, Alice Marie Johnson. Uh, much more scrutiny of that decision than that I recall. Okay, this is my recollection of when Obama commuted the sentence of Oscar Lopez Rivera who was had blood on his hands, was a terrorist a a, a Puerto Rican separatist terrorist, so I think that uh, the president's doing the right things here I think that he's showing us all what's really going on um, it is Friday, so you know what And I've been working some movie quotes into the show earlier in the week, so John pulled this all together for us, action movie quote Friday, hit it awesome, Be seeing you
2: yeah, I hope not sporadically. Movie. He didn't fall. Inconceivable.
0: Quote. Three. for lack of a better word,
3: is good. Fridays. It's like people only do things because they get paid. Awesome movie quote Fridays. And that's just really sad. Yeah, that's, that's right. Awesome
1: movie quote Friday, not action movie quote Friday. I got this confused for a second. So I think a lot of you will be able to remember those different lines that I share with you during over the course of the show. So... There you have it. Um, 844-900-2825. You want to chat? We've got lines open. I'm here in the swamp. Love to hear your team. I really do look forward to this part of, of my day every day. This opportunity to chat with all of you. And especially, I'm in a new place, surrounded by a lot of swamp creatures. Unfortunately, our people are in charge, right? But surrounded by a lot of swamp creatures. It's good that you guys are my uh, are my lifeline to the real world here every day on the on the radio waves, do we even send out? Wa- yeah, this the waves, right? That's how the, that's how radio works. Uh, and with that, we'll be right back.
3: Where, oh, where is Melania Trump? She was last seen in public on May tenth. That was
4: 18 days ago. One thing that the president and the White House have been quite quiet about is Melania Trump and her status. There's been a lot of questions about her surgery, her time at Walter Reed, and
1: now her uh, invisibility. The last time we caught a glimpse of her was on May 10th. uh, 24 days, more than three weeks.
2: One thing we did not see was First Lady
1: Melania Trump. The First Lady has not been seen in public for 25 days.
3: 26
4: days without being in the public eye.
3: She's doing stuff in the White House. Isn't there a picture? She didn't go to Camp David with the president this weekend. weekend, And and he took some of his children and not his young son. You know, where's the picture? David Frum,
4: who is the uh, Atlantic senior editor, theorized last week in a tweet um, basically saying uh, that President Trump could have possibly beaten his wife and covered it up. The tweet says, suppose President Trump punched the first lady in the White House, then ordered the Secret Service to conceal the assault.
1: a lot of questions being asked about something that there shouldn't be any question over. First lady had to have a kidney procedure. She had to have surgery. This has been known. It's been known all along. But you will also note that in that series that we played for you of, of questions, there, there's meant to be a kind of, yeah, maybe there's something sinister going on here vibe to it all. There, there's there's supposed to be a well, you know, maybe something's being covered up or we're not being told something because otherwise, how is this even a story? How is this even something that anyone needs to ask about? Well, I can tell you that when you dig into this a little more, you find and Trump respond. I mean, Trump wrote about this. He wrote that the, the fake news media has been so unfair and vicious to my wife and our great first lady, Melania, during her recovery from surgery, they reported everything from near death to facelift to left the White House for New York or Virginia to abuse. All fake. She's doing really well. Now, of course, the peddlers of fake news came out and said, that's not true. The media, you know, they always think the media means them. That's a tough thing to speak for, the media. Uh, but you had uh, the New York Times and the uh, hat tip, Brie Payton of the Federalists who pulled all these together. It's New York Times implied the timing of Melania's kidney surgery was suspect. You had the Roots say that Melania uh, a Melania, had a body double at an event. You had Rolling, a Rolling Stone writer, Jameel Smith, suggest that Melania's absence was due to physical abuse. You had Politico uh, blaming the White House for stoking conspiracy theories and then proceeding to do just that about uh, this whole Melania situation. And the situation is look, the first lady had to have surgery. Just hope she's doing well, you know, she's also someone's wife and a mom and someone's daughter, right? I mean yeah, these journal- journalists are savages. I think one of the problems that I have in DC, they're just all these these just puff shirt, you know, clownish journalists running all over the place who are not nice people, very petty, very vindictive, and really distasteful. And I do not like them. And that's a problem. You know, in New York, you can kind of ignore people a little bit more because it's such a big city that you just kind of you you do. Everyone's ignoring everybody. So you actually have in a weird way in New York, a tremendous amount of privacy because nobody cares. There's so many people and so much going on that nobody cares. You know, in D.C., I walk around. I got to walk past the Washington Post all the time. And I'm like, "Ugh. ugh, it feels so it feels so swampy. I just don't like how swampy it all feels. Anyway, eight four four nine hundred buck, eight four four nine hundred two eight two five. If you like to chat, we got some lines lit. We could take a couple more calls. Um, Kind of talk to you about some breaking news that, on the flip side, I don't know how else to say it. Look, it's really, really sad. It's uh, a couple of really sad news stories, but something we're going to spend some time on.
0: is holding the line for America. Buck Sexton is back.
1: All right, we've got some calls. Here, let's get to it. And you now I knew this I knew this day would come. It's just a question of when. But here we are. I am not the only buck in the universe. There is in fact another buck out there. He is calling in right now from Mobile, Alabama. Buck, great to have you on. How's it going, man? Your name is awesome. Other than that, I'm good.
5: <laughs> yeah, I've been listening to you for quite a while now. Thank Before you. On two years. Ever since, yeah, they just put you on the radio about two years ago. I've been listening to you ever since.
1: Thank you so much.
5: Yeah, What I'm calling about is how I mean, the media is, is reacting to Melania not being out in the public, showing her face, this and that. I mean, for Connell House, she just had surgery. It's pretty major surgery from what I hear. And she's having a hard time recovering from it, you know. And it just doesn't make any kind of sense of how the media wants to focus on why is she not showing her face whenever they should be focusing on what's going on in this country and what's going on, you know, out and abroad and immigration and all this kind of stuff. It just doesn't make any sense to me about why do they focus on her not being, you know, well right now. They should be wishing as she gets to feeling better, you know, hoping for, you know, good health and all that instead of just trying to
1: spread Yeah, it's really nasty, isn't it, Buck? I mean, it's it's very... It, it just shows yeah. such a lack of, uh, of kindness, quite honestly. I mean, just a lack of consideration.
5: Yeah it's, just, yeah, it's common decency. I mean, I was dealing with something like this the other day at work about, you know, how can people be so rude and inconsiderate of others and because you know, whenever I, whenever I'm in public, or even when I'm at the house with my wife and kids, I always try to think about their well-being before I do my own. And then once I know that they're okay, I worry about myself. And it's the same thing with with me. They don't care about nobody else but themselves and their agenda.
1: That's yeah, that's true, man. Buck, thank you so much for calling in. Feels a little bit like I was speaking to myself there. I was a little Freudian like Buck so tell me all of your dreams you know it's like Buck speaking of Buck I could probably do a segment with that where I get to ask me the questions that if I were you I'd ask me that makes some sense I think John in Cincinnati, Ohio what up John
4: so oh, Buck long time, uh, long time listener first uh, multiple time caller actually oh, called thank you back called you back while you were on the Blaze and been listening to you since uh, Saturdays uh, since you were on Saturdays
1: yes, well thank that's you so much to help
4: half the time um I got a movie quote for you all
1: well, right Jim, let's Jim
4: si- uh, oh okay well Jim, since you are my guest and I am your host, what is your pleasure? what do you like to do? Oh I don't know. play chess screw well, let's play chess
1: hmm I got nothing. What is Blazing that one?
4: Saddles, one of the most awesome movies ever.
1: I'm going to tell you something, Jan, John, and I, it's just between you and me, okay? I don't want you to judge me. I don't want anyone else to know this. I've never seen Blazing Saddles. I know producer Mike okay, it looked like he like he just had an aneurysm. Radio
4: in show it. without knowing it.
1: Oh wait, you haven't seen it I'm either? Oh, that's it. what? Wow. So we I've, just both yeah.
4: It's it's one of the best movies of all time. I've probably been watching it off and on since I was like
1: five i have to tell you, you know,
4: Slowly i understanding the jokes as i grow
1: up i feel like there aren't that many there are very few movies for me that are funny when i was a kid that i still think are funny when i'm older uh, ghostbusters falls in that category but if you say blazing saddles is also in that category i will certainly uh, i'll certainly give it a give it a watch um so thank you very much john hey. for being a listener for calling in i appreciate it and uh like hearing from you um Yeah. What's... uh? I was trying to think of my favorite Western. I'm not that well... I want to see the Hostiles movie that came out. It didn't last that long. People told me it was very good, like a little bleak, a little intense. But it was very well made, and it didn't do the whole... I mean, I just... This thing of, like, you know, like, everyone's... Every society's got their problems, right? But you notice this trend of, like, the... You know na- Native Americans are either you know they' they're like all the all the good guys in more- cont- in contemporary movies. I know they used to be all the bad guys, right, but now it's all the good guys, and, and I'm always like, "Eh, why do we have to politicize everything uh, apparently in hostiles you got you know uh, you know u s cavalry doing some bad things you got native tribes doing some bad things. It's like like the way it was, like the world, but I want to see that one. I mean Tombstone's my favorite western, but it also is kind of an action movie but the the bottom line is that it's really tombstone. I feel like I'm kind of stalling because I don't even want to have to dive into our next topic because it's a it's it's a bummer, but I want to share some thoughts with you about um two two pieces of news that came in today uh one has to do with uh, the uh, suicide of Anthony Bourdain, which You know, when people say it's a shock, I think suicide of someone you don't know is always a shock, because how could you... But occasionally there'll be some precursors. You know, somebody will have been, you know, maybe institutionalized or have terrible bouts of depression, and that will be publicized. You'll have some idea. Bourdain just... I would never have thought. But then again, with... uh, You know, with Robin Williams, I would have never have thought. So he had the Bourdain. And then also a, a note today that I saw from... Uh, a personal letter from Charles Krauthammer. We'll talk about both of these on the other side of the break. So stay with me. So Anthony Bourdain, uh, is dead and apparent suicide. And I'll de- we'll deal with this story. And then we have another very sad story. Um, talk about today another media figure I tend to be somebody who doesn't uh, over over personalize people that I don't know um, and I never I never met Bourdain I, I have no personal connection whatsoever but I do remember times when I was just all I wanted was to watch something that wasn't going to be uh Political, or at least overly political, annoyingly political. Uh, something that you could just sit back and and enjoy, and it was it was a story, it was a journey. You know the well the, when I went to uh, Vietnam some years ago, I had planned to do all this research before I went, but I one thing I did do because I didn't really have time to do all that research was I downloaded Anthony Bourdain's, uh, I downloaded his. Episode on iTunes of, of him in Vietnam, and I remember I watched it, and I then went to at least one of the places he went. It was this little. I'm with my little brother, and it was really tough to find. And in in the show, you had seen this, uh, Viet, you know, elderly Vietnamese woman with a little soup cart making this. What he said was one of the most delicious, know, of course, right? But one of the most delicious soups he's ever had ever and we went to find this it was just a cart in an alleyway and we managed to which i'm impressed to this day that we actually found it because it wasn't a restaurant it wasn't really marked you had to kind of go to the neighborhood and look around it wasn't an easy thing and we got there it was a little brother and what it was clear to me was that they had done a little bit of staging for the episode before uh, before they actually filmed it because when we got there there was around this cart, this in this whole alleyway, there's just trash and dogs wandering everywhere and like little kind of rickety-looking tiny plastic chairs for people to sit in. So it was a little like, almost like a trash dump is what it really looked like. But there was the cart. I mean, we went, we had the soup, and you know what? The soup was incredible. And I only had it and only knew about it because of uh, Bourdain's show. So it's just, you it, know, I bring that up because, for me, it's an example of how people you don't know through their... Through their work, through their uh, their craft, their art, their creative endeavors, can can affect your life. And some of my my favorite moments all time of doing this media thing, which I never sought out to do and was not my plan, and just kind of happened. Or when people tell me that you know they, uh, when they were undergoing chemo, they listened to the Battle of Lepanto over and over, and it gave them comfort, or just which is a, a story that one of my beloved members of Team Buck told uh, or sent to me some some years ago. You know that stuff really that can really matter can really help people. And so Bourdain is one of those rare individuals who uh, m- really changed my thinking about a whole area of life, which is food and cooking in the culinary world. I read Kitchen Confidential long I mean not a long 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 time ago. I want to say maybe I was in college yeah i think i was in college and if you haven't read it, about it's a great book it's very very readable it's a really uh really it's a fun read but he also learned some things about it and he has a he had a very good storytelling voice and clearly was was incredibly successful and i think it's just hard for us to process that somebody who comes across that way and i know i know that mental illness is something that people often hide very well hide for very long periods of time um uh, or, you know, what I mean mental illness, severe depression, alcoholism. But when someone's whole job is to find joy and adventure and spread that to other people, it's just hard to imagine the the darkness that they carry with themselves. It's it's hard to it's hard to imagine, it really is. So that part of it I found and I know that this week also you had Kate Spade, I wasn't familiar with with her at all except through the name from her massive uh, a massive clothing brand and then you had one more bit in and i'm just going to bring it in here even though i could talk about it longer because i you know it's a friday and i, I don't i am always wary of bringing us down before the weekend although sometimes it's just the, the nature of this business but this letter that was put out it's just uh, heartbreaking from uh, charles krauthammer who has i'm sure all of you are familiar with his work regular on Brett uh, Brett Baer's panel on Fox News, one of the most prolific conservative columnists, if not the most prolific conservative columnists of the last 30 or 40 years. And from everyone that I ever heard who interacted with the guy, and and I know a lot of people that work at and have worked at Fox, was top to bottom in every way a class act and a, a, a really kind person. And that's for, for people who are prominent in national media discussions. I'll be honest; it's really in short supply these days. People are people are nasty, and one thing that I find that is troubling is that those who are in you know those who are consumers of media, those who you know watch certain shows, listen to certain shows. I'm always amazed, like you, that the, the choice we made that they'll listen to some, they won't listen to somebody who's kind and who's brilliant although Charles was very, very successful. But there are other people I know of who I feel like have never really gotten their due and are really good people on top of that. But they will listen to people who are jerks, who are nasty, who are debasing. Who, And Charles was just the antithesis of that in all of his work. Again, I can only evaluate him professionally. I, I, never, uh, I never met Charles. Uh, but he wrote in this letter that he has weeks to live after a very long battle with cancer, in which he had a large tumor removed from his abdomen, and here, here's another time when uh, it feels like there is there is a loss that even for those of us like me who never met Charles Krauthammer, uh, the loss will be will be made real for us because his was a voice that I think was was truly valuable in the national conversation about all kinds of things. I never once saw him, and I watched. I've watched Brett Baer's show. I mean, I can't even count. I can't even begin to estimate the number of times. I never once saw him uh, be belittle people, or belittle anyone. Be nasty. Be snide. Be uh, undermining. Be, and it feels to me like that's actually just the direction of media now. It's all like Twitter burns and nastiness and people. Acting in the worst spot acting in ways they would never do in person, but the truth is most most like journalists uh, out there who are constantly walking around talking about how they're speaking truth to power are kind of cowards in person they have very very little personal courage uh, on display from and I don 't just mean like taking risks to their own personal safety I just mean they don't do things that are risky for them they do what is best for them all the time and then pretend to be taking risks. But but Charles was a really important voice in the uh, in the conversation and and it's it's just very sad it's very sad for his family and I know for a lot of my friends over at Fox who know Charles and worked with him for years and years it's I don't know what else to say folks it's been a rough been a rough week for news stories of uh, of beloved figures who have had a major impact uh, on a lot of lives around the world and you know, two suicides and uh, and a losing battle against cancer I. It's tough. You know, I'm I'm just going to, I want to leave it there for now. I, I can't spend much more time on it because it's going to bring me down too. And, and I am cognizant of uh, you spending your time with me here. And I don't want us to, I don't want us to get too down. But I had to note and, uh, you know, prayers to the families of uh, Bourdain and, and Krat- well, is still with us. And look, I don't want to be naive or anything, but, you know, he said he's losing his battle and only has weeks to live, you, you, but you never know. You never know. So there, there is that. You never know. Kenny from Boston. Maybe you can cheer me up a little bit, my friend. What's up?
6: Yes, let's hope for a miracle cure for uh, Charles Krauthammer. I always loved him. Um, and I, I never knew that he was actually quadriplegic, uh, and he was in the um, – you know, he was in a wheelchair. I watched him so many times, and I so well. Oh, he always sits so uh, erect. I never figured it out, you know. And he was uh, he was really uh, good all the time. And uh, so I, I don't know. Really I can difference. say
1: this, you know, Kenny. I don't know anybody else at that, that level of the punditry game who I've never seen step out of line with anybody or act like a jerk. I mean, in the way that he, you know, to, to be at the absolute peak, the absolute top, and never mm-hmm. get nasty was it's pretty amazing.
6: Old school civility.
1: That's yeah.
5: the
6: best. And anyway, so I got a question, and um, and I also have a movie quote. So what, what I wanted to know is, what are you postulating on what Mueller or Mueller is going to be dropping when Trump has this uh, uh, nuclear thing? Because he always, and the timing is always, it's uncanny, you know, you always cut, drop something at a moment when something's either good for Trump, or, the, you know, it, it's it's not by accident. And so that's uh, that and um, so I was
1: just wondering what you think uh, I don't know I mean I, I can't read into Mueller's you know Mueller's <laughs> I, thinking but, on this and unfortunately I don't think we have time for the movie quote Kenny because we got to go into uh, our next hour here but uh, thank you okay. for, for, thanks for calling in brother appreciate it good to hear from you and just, just hearing your voice from up in Boston Kenny it, uh, it's giving us a little boost here which is great uh, so we're going to be joined by our friend uh, Michael Malice here shortly he'll be talking to us about North Korea. He's got some really interesting insights on it given the summit is just days away, so stay right there. The FBI calls home title theft one of the fastest growing crimes. Brace yourself because once you've had your credit card stolen, that's nothing compared to the hell you're in for when an identity thief takes control of your home title. It's a pretty straightforward process, folks, and once you understand how easy it is, it's terrifying, and it's not just here at home. All around the world, anyone who has access to the internet can try to steal your home's title or replace it with an alias and then take out loans. Borrow as much money as possible. Essentially rip the equity out of your home via cyber intrusion. The programs that you have like insurance and uh, identity theft do not protect you. You need Home Title Lock. For just pennies a day, Home Title Lock protects my most valuable asset, my home. Register now for a free analysis and discover if your home's title has been compromised. That's a $60 value free. Visit hometitlelock.com. That's hometitlelock.com for a free analysis.
0: Buck Sexton. mission: decoding the news and disseminating information with actionable intelligence.
2: One small thing. Make no mistake. America. Ready. You're a great American. Again.
0: This is the Buck Sexton Show.
2: Activate. Former CIA
0: analyst. Former member of the NYPD. Buck Sexton.
2: It is Buck Sexton. Now.
1: Well, they caught their first one. The first alleged, alleged leaker of uh, classified information tied to the uh, Russia collusion nonsense. A former Senate Intelligence Committee aide was arrested, James Wolfe. But he was arrested for lying to investigators about his contacts with three reporters. Uh, They said that he made false statements to the FBI, Uh, providing them, uh, well, about providing classified information or just even just talking to, oh, no, yeah, he never, ever gave classified information to journalists. Uh, Mr. Wolf, according to this, the Intelligence Committee's Director of Security, oh, wow, look at that, the Director of Security, slated to appear before a federal jury today, and his case is interesting because the seizure was disclosed in a letter to Ali Watkins, a New York Times reporter who had been in a three-year-long relationship with Mr. Wolf. Uh, now, there's a lot going on here. There's a lot happening here, and I will just say this: uh, first of all, I I do not like, I I am very uncomfortable with as a general matter, any you know seizure of journalist records for the purpose of finding leaks I, I think that it is a slippery slope i think it is dangerous unless there's a very clear uh, national security safety rationale behind it you know i think you have to balance out because when once the government can start seizing your all your communications and tracking down your sources i mean there's really no such thing as sources anymore right i mean for for journalists so that becomes an issue except in the most extreme circumstances so I do want to say that. I will also say that one of the problems that the media has here is that they had a a moderated response, a, a, a kind of muted response, shall we say, to the fact that the Obama administration used the Espionage Act more than every administration before it combined Listed James Rosen of Fox News as an unindicted co-conspirator in one leak case, and that Obama was the worst, the worst president when it came to press freedom since at least Woodrow Wilson, who was really bad, <laughs> he wanted to lock people up for saying things he didn't like. So Obama was terrible on this issue. Yes, they would write some uh, editorials here and there saying, you know, we are uncomfortable with whatever, but. They didn't say attorney general needs to step, needs to resign. They didn't uh, scream about police state tactics or tyranny. And because they allowed Obama largely to get away with it without any political consequences, which is true, and it was really the fault of the DOJ and the federal government. It wasn't really Obama's fault that this happened, even though it would have gone directly up to Holder, his attorney general, and Holder would have signed off on it. But you will see the double standard in action, to be sure. Um, And they're aware of the fact that we are aware that Obama did exactly this kind of thing, where he would seize reporters' communications records looking for leaks. Uh, And so that means that there will be a a hypocrisy here, but it also means that they don't really care because they they will often tell stories that are incongruous with objective an objective view of the situation. So, remember that one. And then, another part of this that I think, I, you know, I'm not spending much on that with Watkins, New York Times. She's sleeping with somebody who is allegedly a source. And also was writing stuff on Twitter about how she she was trying to throw people off the scent by lying and accusing Trump lawyers, I think it was, of, you know, the leak. For which she was responsible, or no, she was responsible for the leak, but for publishing the leak, she knew who the leaker was. It wasn't trouble lawyers, so she's engaged in propaganda, I mean, that is straight mean, She is engaged in in peddling falsehoods to tell the public, you know, to, to create a, a an untrue perception in the public's mind. For a reporter, I think that's a pretty big deal. You know, when you know something is untrue and you tell people as a reporter that it is true that should be an issue uh so that's that's one thing but the single most important part of all this for me because like i said there's a lot of different angles of this is that trump derangement syndrome is so strong and the hatred of this president is so strong that and and i'm saying that they think that this was about the uh here we go this is what they write and this is a new york times piece Court documents describe Mr. Wolf's communications with four reporters, including Ms. Watkins, using encrypted messaging applications. It appeared that the FBI was investigating how Ms. Watkins learned that Russian spies in 2013 had tried to recruit Carter Page, a former Trump foreign policy advisor. She published an article for BuzzFeed News on April 3rd, 2017, about the attempted recruitment of Mr. Page in which he confirmed the contacts. So... This is all about the Carter Page Russell conspiracy theory, uh, conspiracy theory thing, folks. Now we found the first one. We found the first person who is willing to risk prison time, assuming he's guilty. It's alleged. It's alleged. Right. We don't know. We don't know. We got to keep that keep that out there. But here we likely have our first of many leakers, the first of many leakers who looking at this. Uh, we have to assume there'll be a lot more uh we'll have to guess that at some point they'll figure out who told the press about uh the kislyak Flynn call never mind all the so many of these stories and these these journalists look like, oh we're we're doing such great work no they just get somebody to break the law tell them stuff they're not supposed to and then they run a story with it a lot of times consequences be damned I don't care But people are leaking against this president in a way that puts them in criminal jeopardy. That just shows you the depth of the hatred and it shows you also how committed some of these deep staters really are to the notion of stopping this Trump presidency. They'll risk going to prison. Some of them are going to go to prison over this. Was it worth it? Was it worth uh, running a story... In BuzzFeed, you know, being the source for the story in BuzzFeed that uh, put it out there, that Carter Page, who is, is harmless by virtue of nothing else but his ineptitude, the Carter Page was going to be recruited by, the, uh, by Russia? You know? I, I really think that uh, people are going to have a lot of regrets about this, but Jeff Sessions, that's right, and the DOJ, they're on it. They're going to find more people. And we are going to find some swamp figures that I think you've heard of before involved in this. Mark my words. I would take some guesses right now, but that might be a little unfair. But they're names you've heard before on this show. Let's talk about North Korea coming up here in just a moment. Hey, it's a jungle out there, right? You got to make sure that you do everything you can to have the best information possible on hand when you are bringing new employees into your company when you're thinking about renting out a property that you own or engaged in other business-to-business transactions, that's where Global Verification Network becomes so important to you because they are a veteran-owned small business that specializes in risk mitigation and background investigations. They're headquartered in Chicago. They work with startups all the way up to Fortune 100 companies. So no matter how big your business or small your business, if you have any need of background investigations and vetting, You should really call the folks at Global Verification Network. 877-695-1179. That's 877-695-1179. Or go to mygvn.com. That's mygvn.com for Global Verification Network.
2: It is more likely than not. That there is a conflict, possibly a full blown war, with an emerging nuclear power.
1: He is not merely being cavalier with a threat about nuclear war. He's being cavalier in a way that makes him seem demented. These are the messages from a person who is not well, from a leader who is not fit for office. After a
2: nuclear holocaust. Or after a million die in Seattle. And that's where we are. This is not an exaggeration.
6: Probably closer to an outright war with North Korea. About a 30% chance of war, I'd say, from where I sit right
5: now. Easily construe what he's been saying as a declaration or at least a threat of war. What is the ignition point for Kim Moon's fuse with this provocative rhetoric trump's
4: comments about nuclear weapons have experts worried he could literally inadvertently trigger a catastrophe
2: you have reason to be scared of a war that could wipe out 500,000 people no i just think he wants weeks. to
0: use nukes that's what i think he
2: feels well, don't ever
1: accuse the media of being lazy when it comes to fear mongering that's incredible i think he wants to use nukes thanks mika yeah that's what he, he just wants to start nuking people that's what president trump wants we got a summit coming up next week, as you know, folks, a big summit. And we may be closer to a deal with North Korea than at at any time in certainly recent memory. Um, But uh, I want to get someone else's perspective on this as we are literally days away from finding out if there's an opening or not for the U.S. and North Korea. We've got Michael Malice with us on the line. He is the host of uh, You're Welcome and also the author of of Dear Reader, the Unauthorized Biography of Kim Jong-un. Michael, great to have you back, sir. Thanks, Buck. What do you make of this going into the summit? What are your expectations? How do you think it's going so far? 30,000 uh, foot thoughts. I'm glad
3: that the American media is just as accurate in their uh, provocations as the North Korean media.
1: <laughs> it's yeah, it's, it's really- almost like they're cheering for nuclear war in a lot of those clips. It's amazing, isn't it? Like As long as Trump looks bad, they're like, yeah, so we lose a few million people in North Korea
3: how are you supposed to get a regime that has dug in its heels for literally over 70 years that has no problems executing its own citizens starving its own citizens uh killing members of the ruling elite how are you supposed to change get them to change their entire system without some brinksmanship how you you know it's let's look at it this way in terms that anyone can understand buck you and i are buddies let's suppose i had an issue with you if I brought it up, and escalated situations, there's a possibility it's going to get heated. But if you want things to change in a relationship, that's the risk anyone has to take, whether it's selling a car or there's a problem with your landlord. I mean, these people are living in a world where they've never really had to take risks other than running their mouths, and there's never any consequences for them. And that's why it, it upsets them when President Trump is actually forcing change of some kind on the Korean Peninsula. And here's the other thing. They're acting like he's, you know, like like in some kind of weird simulation, and he's in front of a computer and not getting input from anyone. He's having regular public meetings with China, Japan, and South Korea. We're flying there, they're flying here, but they're acting as if, you know, he's some kind of toddler who is not talking to anyone and is just making decisions on his own, and yet somehow it's all working out. It's
1: astonishing to hear how many people who have no particular insight into the president's daily schedule, phone calls, uh, preparation, meetings with aides and, and officials around him who are saying he hasn't prepped enough. You're hearing that a lot. He hasn't prepped enough. What does it even mean, Michael? I mean, yeah, he doesn't speak Korean and he's not going to before the meeting. Like, you could, <laughs> it, it just seems to me like this is something that people say when they have nothing else to say, but they hate the president.
3: Well, it's also the kind of thing where it's like, do they really think that as soon as the Singapore summit ends, President Trump's going to join Kim Jong-un on a flight to Pyongyang and they personally are going to start taking apart this nuclear site? I mean, that, that's not how it works. I mean, the preparation he's had, by all accounts, a great deal of preparation. Uh, he's been, first of all, also he's been president for almost two years at this point. Do they expect only someone who's been a North Korean scholar? To uh, engage with the North Korean regime, do we really think that the Chinese President Xi and Prime Minister Abe from Japan didn't sit him down and say these are the important points? Are they stupid too? I mean, this makes no sense on any level. Because, and here's why I wrote the book, and this is, you know, I'm glad that you have me on on this issue. North Korea is a very, very complicated subject. No one denies this. So maybe because they feel unprepared to talk about it, they're, they're projecting to some extent. And my rule of thumb is, if someone doesn't know how to pronounce Kim Jong Un's name, they shouldn't be running their mouth. Now, to the, just just one
1: question I wanted to throw by you, Michael. What should we know about the? What are the differences between Kim Jong Un as it affects his persona and, and the ability to, you know, our, our ability in the past to try and negotiate with him? Versus uh, Kim Jong Il. I'm sorry, Kim Jong Il in the past versus Kim Jong Un today. You know, what should we? What are the differences that maybe either leave us more of an opening here or less of an opening?
3: That's a very, very long and nuanced question. I'll answer it as succinctly as possible. Kim Jong Il took over for his father, the great leader Kim Il Sung. There have only been three leaders of North Korea since its founding, and Kim Jong Il was very much a function of the Cold War. And he also very much had to fight to maintain his hold on power, because in, in, the idea, in the ideology of communism, the idea that a son would succeed his father in this kind of monarchist uh, fashion is complete anathema to Marxist ideology. Uh, but again, with the falling of the Soviet Union in the late 80s, early 90s, and the collapse of the Second World, uh, Kim Jong-un had to deal with none of that. You know, he took power in 2011. The Soviet Union was long gone. North Korea was already at that point highly isolated. So he, with any young person, there is that possibility to do things differently. And he also has this uh, kind of leeway under North Korean law. And I'm using the word law very broadly because there's no real legality. It's whatever the government decides at a whim. He can do whatever he wants and he can spin it however he wants. So, for example, North Korea has these black markets in every town where, because people are no longer getting food reliably from the government. And this is, you know, capitalism at its purest. But, and capitalism is anathema to the Juche idea, the North Korean ideology, but they pretend it's not capitalism. So when you get to define terms however you want, that really does give you some freedom. On the other hand, as we have seen in other such regimes, uh, which are nowhere near as bad as North Korea, but I'm thinking of places like Romania as a classic example, Iraq, and Libya. When these regimes fall, the people at the top are often personally executed. Yeah, like Ceausescu
1: had a rough rough end.
3: Yes, he did. So that is a big, and they're very, very, very painfully aware of this in North Korea. So this is a very big, you know, North Korea is a prison even for the people at the very top. Because if he does want to liberalize and make it, you know, kind of like a Singapore, people are going to very quickly find out the population that they've been brainwashed, lied to, and starved intentionally for decades, and they're not going to think, "Oh, you're a great guy." You know, you, you, they're going to want uh, to exact vengeance and fairly. He's, they're not going to look at him like a Yeltsin. How
1: then do do we set up a framework? I mean, what is the, what does a deal with North Korea that could actually work? In the broadest strokes, Michael, what does it look
3: like? I the way I think in the broadest strokes should be sort of a relay race where we're handing over the baton to China because North Korea will always be primarily China's problem. They're they're geographically proximate. Historically, there's long strong bonds between uh, Korea and China, um, and China doesn't want a U.S. ally right on their border, um, and so on and so forth. Uh, so they have a very strong relationship. So. A lot of it has to be also this kind of good cop, bad cop, which I think, uh, President Trump and President Xi are playing very well, which is China gets to be the reasonable statesman. Trump gets to be the unreliable blowhard. And that drives Kim Jong Un further to China's arms. So that is a good mechanism to, uh, move forward. And listen, if they want us to remove our troops from the Korean Peninsula and in exchange, they, you know, they have the fourth largest army in the world, even though they are size of Pennsylvania. If, in exchange, they demilitarize and denuclearize, spend less money on the army, spend more money on food and, and infrastructure and things like that, I, I think that would be a win-win uh, all across. And my biggest concern always is uh, liberating these – peacefully liberating these 25 million slaves.
1: Absolutely. I agree, and that's why I, I find it so – uh, honestly disgusting that people in the, in the media in particular seem to be rooting for failure here, I, I, quite openly I think rooting for failure
3: <laughs> and, and Buck, how are human rights a partisan issue it is mind-boggling to me when we have literal concentration camps where people are dismembered men are sent into mines and they never see sunlight again and their skin starts to slough off these are things that are unimaginable to us in the West Any kind of sliver of hope, we have to hold on to. If you want to hate President Trump, go ahead, hate President Trump. Pretend he's the puppet of the Japanese and the Chinese and the South Koreans, if that's what it takes for you to assuage your conscience that you're rooting for a happy ending to this nightmare, worst country on earth.
1: Everybody should uh, check out Mike's book, uh, Dear Reader, the Unauthorized Biography of Kim Jong-un. Mr. Malice, oh, also check out his show, You're Welcome. Where can people find it, Michael? It's on iTunes and YouTube. iTunes and YouTube. Easy enough. Uh, Michael, great to have you. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. If you think having your credit card stolen is bad, it's nothing compared to home title theft. Everything is online these days. That includes your home's title. And thieves at home and all over the world hunt homeowners here in America because we have equity. And guess what? They'll steal that equity. They will take... You off your home's title and add an alias, then borrow hundreds of thousands of dollars using your home's equity and then sticking you with the payments. You're not going to know until you get a late payment notice. Identity theft programs don't protect you. Neither does insurance. But Home Title Lock safeguards your home's title from cyber thieves and hackers by putting an online perimeter around your home's title. The instant they detect someone tampering with it, they're on it, they'll help you, they'll shut it down. This is for pennies a day, folks. Home Title Lock protects your most valuable asset, your home. Register for a free analysis to see if your home's title has been compromised. That's a $60 value free. Visit HomeTitleLock.com. That's HomeTitleLock.com. You know, recently I've been receiving all my style tips from the clothing experts at Peter Millar. If you're a golfer, if you're somebody that likes to get out there and do sports like me, you know the name. If you don't, you should, because Peter Millar is all about quality, value, and style. It is the most comfortable clothing I've ever worn, whether it's the knits, the pants, the polos. I'm telling you, right now I'm wearing a performance polo, and it is incredible. It's my new favorite polo shirt. Check it out for yourself. The performance polo is the most comfortable shirt I've ever worn, and I can say that about everything that I'm wearing from Peter Millar these days. And Right now, you can head over to petermillar.com slash buck to check out some of my Peter Millar favorites. Be sure to use my link, and you'll receive a complimentary shipping and free hat. That's right, Peter M-I-L-L-A-R dot com slash buck, petermillar.com slash buck. The best performance clothing you're ever going to wear.
0: He's back with you now because when it comes to the fight for truth, the buck never stops.
2: I love our country. I have been Russia's worst nightmare. If Hillary got in, I think Putin is probably going, man, I wish Hillary won, because you see what I do. But with that being said, Russia should be in this meeting. Why are we having a meeting without Russia being in the meeting? And I would recommend, and it's up to them, but Russia should be in the meeting. It should be a part of it.
1: Oh, my, they're very uh, upset at Trump about this. Or I should say they're using this as... uh... As a means to uh, try and further create this narrative of, you know, Trump is in Russia's pocket. Uh, Russia has something on Trump. You keep hearing this stuff. I'm like, what? What are they talking about? You mean that the Trump who. Is willing to do things that even Obama would not do, like give anti-tank missiles, javelin, anti-tank missiles and and. Uh, sniper rifles to the Ukrainian military so they can fight against Russian separatists or Russian-backed separatists. That that in the pocket, Trump? It's amazing how much the, the shift has occurred. It used to be uh, pretty clear. Most folks had an understanding of the fact that if you... you know, There are certain countries that you can try and just isolate and cut off. And for example, we've tried that with North Korea, although we've had limited success because cutting off an entire country from the rest of the world and preventing it from being a problem is a lot easier said than done. But, you know, we try that to some extent with Iran. Russia is too big to ignore. And the purpose of the sanctions that have uh, been put in place, stretching back to Russia's annexation of Crimea in 2014, is to get a change in Russian behavior. Uh, The additional sanctions that have to do with the election interference is also supposed to be a change in Russian behavior, although I would note, how are the Russians... I'm just playing devil's advocate here for a second. How are the Russians exactly supposed to get the election interference-related sanctions turned off? How does that happen? Really think about that one for a second. People will say, oh, Buck, they're still interfering. Really? We know that top-down the Kremlin is telling people to interfere in our upcoming midterms? we you know we we might have seen some preparation somewhere there could be some you know intelligence collection that leads us to believe that they want to do that but we have sanctions in place against them for the election interference before and i would just note that it doesn't seem to me like that's an easy thing for them even if they wanted to uh, to turn around because all it takes is some russian hackers or some skilled russian you know cyber warriors of one kind or another, decide that they're going to engage in some kind of hack of the election, that they are going to make our lives more difficult uh, come election time. And it could very easily be blamed on Russia because the media has created this environment where Russia is somehow a much bigger concern for us than China. Even though the Russian economy is much smaller than the Chinese economy, the Russian military is much smaller than the Chinese military. And our geo our long-term geopolitical uh near peer rival is china it is not russia that said russia while it isn't our our primary challenger on the global stage it is too big to ignore and so that's why when trump says that uh, they should bring russia back into uh, the fold on this um I just think it's—I think it's a cheap shot, and a lot of people have been taking it. It's a cheap shot to say, "Oh, it's because the Russians have something on him." Uh, I think it's a cheap shot to say, "Oh, well, the reason that Trump would bring the Russians back into the G7, which is just a, a way of having countries meet, and a lot of these summits." And I'll tell you this: other people will say, "Oh no, the summits are so important." At a lot of these summits, it's just an excuse for government bureaucrats and on, you know, the entourages of the various premiers to get together and spend a lot of their their subjects' money and hang out with other important government bureaucrats and make decisions about your life. But, Jen, how often do they come back from a summit and you're like, wow, they got that deal going? That's going to really change my life. The answer is it's not. It doesn't really happen that way. But Trump wanted to bring them back into the G7. Also, by the way, he spoke a little bit about uh, trade and tariffs. Play clip nine.
2: All of these countries have been taking advantage of the United States on trade. You saw where Canada charges our dairy farmers 270 percent tariffs. We don't charge them. Or if we do, it like a tiny percentage. We have massive trade deficits with almost every country. We will straighten that out. And, and I'll tell you what, it's what I do. It won't even be hard. And in the end, we'll all get along. But they understand. And you know, they're trying to act like, well, we fought with you in the wars. They don't mention the fact that they have trade barriers against our farmers. They don't mention the fact that they're charging almost 300% tariffs.
1: You know, it's, it's just a, a function of logic at this point, everyone. They tell us the conventional wisdom is tariffs are bad, tariffs are a tax, and, they, and there is a pass, uh, a pass of uh, expenses on a consumer. That, that, that's true, but tariffs are a tax. They're, they're a bad idea, but other countries have them, But we shouldn't respond to the other countries that have them. No one ever stops to say, well, why do other countries have them if they're such an obviously bad idea? If there's no purpose to tariffs, if it's just self-defeating, then why? And and how are we supposed to respond to the countries that decide that they're going to have tariffs despite the fact that we're always told, oh, it's such a bad idea, you don't have tariffs, you don't have tariffs? I, I just want to answer that simple question, Yeah, I'm just sitting here asking questions. I just want to know. I do. I do indeed. But uh, the media is full of jerks, clowns and imbeciles and a lot of very nasty people with very sharp elbows and very si- uh, high self-regard. I'll talk a bit about where things stand with the MSM, the mainstream media these days when it comes to Trump. And then even when it comes to uh, yours truly, that and more is coming up in just a moment.
0: that he hadn't been really preparing for the summit with Kim Jong-un, and then he defended that by saying uh, to reporters as he was leaving the White House earlier today, well, I've been preparing for this all my life. Of course, Wolf, as we know, before Donald Trump became president of the United States, he was in the real estate business, so it's difficult to imagine how much preparation he was uh, doing uh, during his real estate days uh, for pulling off some kind of agreement that would denuclearize North Korea. I'll tell you a couple
3: of things. Uh, First of all... (laughs) The hypocrisy is astounding, because I know someone who spoke to Donald Trump recently about life in the White House, and Donald Trump's biggest complaint was that he's not allowed to watch porn in the White House. So there you go. There's a little bit of news for you. He's upset that he can't watch porn in the White House. Um, I bet they
4: have those, you know, 1-900 numbers blocked, too, which must be a
3: disappointment. um, I'm not really sure, but that's it just sort of flies in the face of all of this.
1: Journalists, everybody. There you go. Couple, couple of couple of big J journalists letting loose on air. There, uh, Acosta from CNN, among among the worst offenders of the pseudo journalists out there. And uh, the way, I love the, we're just bringing the facts. Like, yeah, they all sit around, they get to ask some questions, and and then they try to get some gossip from sources that'll tell them something at the White House. They they act like they're you know. <laughs> publishing the pentagon papers all the time which the whole other conversation to whether that was a good idea or not oh man it's pretty funny um you know acosta here he, his whole thing is he's saying he's engaged in a form of uh, obtuse literalism that'll come up again in a few minutes when i tell you about another exchange i have with one of the revered elitist journalists today uh, on the twitters not that i wanted to but you know people come after the buck i don't know people like to hate on the buck sometimes from the elite media Such a nice guy, and I don't really understand. And I really don't say, like, super inflammatory stuff. I probably should. Like, if I just showed up every day and I was just like, the tyranny is here! Like, the deep state media is destroying the country! Like, every day, I feel like, you know, that has an audience, for sure. Um, I mean, I do think that the deep state is dangerous, it's damaging the country, and I think the media has has essentially engaged in self-immolation, at least when it comes to its credibility. But I try to put a little nuance into some things. But what constant did there is he goes, oh, Trump says he's been preparing for this his whole life. He's like, I don't see how he could be preparing for it. Blah, 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 blah. It's like, dude, he means that he's been preparing for this moment his life. Like the same way that when somebody says to you, you know, are you ready before you go out to give a big speech or something? If you turn to them and say, I, you know, I was born ready. You don't actually mean that you came out and like, you know, the placenta and the birth and all that stuff and you were you were ready for this. That's not what you're saying. You're saying, you know, yeah, like I'm, I'm ready to go or, you know, you're ready for this. You know, I've been waiting for this my whole life. No, you are not, in fact, waiting for that moment for the entirety of your life. Uh, you are someone who, you know, is excited about the opportunity you're about to have. But I mean, so is Acosta, is he just, is he not smart or is he just being a jerk? I I don't, you can answer that for me. I don't know. It could go either way. And then with Mika, I won't even pose that question. I'll just leave it. uh, I'll just, yeah, I'll just put it this way. She says he's upset he can't watch porn in the White House. You know, she's so smug and smarmy about Trump now. A year ago, no, make that two years ago. When she could have, you know, been taking a, a determined stand against Trump, stand for journalistic ethics, ethics, you know, stand for truth or you know, whatever, all, all these things. Now all these journalists are are martyrs in the era of Trump. It's such a joke, it's such a such a complete debacle. But she was very cozy within that. Mika and Trump and I'm sorry, Mika and Joe and Trump all buddies. And then they had kind of a falling out, and now You know, it's a lot of like, you know, high school kid stuff with, oh, what gossip can we tell about Trump and how he's so he's so grotesque, he's so clownish, he can't watch porn in the White House, they're saying now. And that's that's a big thing for him. You know, Trump may have said that. I'm going to say that Trump may have said that he's I guarantee you it was a joke, folks. But this, uh, you know, this extreme literalism now, because they're all, oh, we're the truth tellers, we're the truth tellers. This has become a thing. I this is a trend. I have noticed now. So now they fact check opinions as though they're facts. Now they fact check uh, you know people that are, are are making jokes. Look what they did. I mean Mike with, with Sean Hannity earlier in the week. Yes, technically Sean said that you know they should destroy that people should destroy evidence like Hillary. He was laughing and it was a joke to anybody with you know, 10 IQ points to put together. But there were, correct me if I'm wrong, a lot of media outlets, a lot of people in the media who were like, Hannity giving, uh, you know, advice to... uh... He wasn't giving it... Am I missing something?
4: No, you're right on point. And how many of those people do you actually think heard him say that or just read a headline?
1: Well, see, that's the other part of it, right? They are literalists on our side... Every word has to be parsed. Every word, in in, in, in that they try to like get down into it. Oh, you said this, but it's really this, you know. You said red, and it's chartreuse. Whoa, liar! Whoa, settle down, right? Sean is actually making a joke that is that no one who listens to it could look anyone in the face and say is anything other than a joke. And they still they still jump they jump on his case. I mean, a few people do. I mean, some of the media, it's just it's just ridiculous. But with Miki here, what I bet happened is Trump made a joke because, you know, he's a guy's guy and he says things a certain way. I bet he made a joke about how he can't watch porn in the White House and somebody relayed that as a joke and Mika's like, well, I heard that Trump says that he's upset that he can't watch porn in the White House. Well, was he, was he serious about it? That's one part of this. And then the other part of it is, why are you telling us this? I mean, you know. What 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 is that the thing? What the percentage of American adult males who watch pornography is very high. I will tell you that actually years ago I, I made the conscious decision, a long time ago now. Uh, I don't know, it's been a while. And when I say to to eschew porn, I'm not saying like when the when the boobies come out on Game of Thrones, I run and hide or something. I'm not I'm not a, you know I'm not a monk. You know I I, I mean I am the guy who is somewhat disappointed about the Miss America bathing suit competition decision. Like I'm not pretending that I don't you know I am not a somebody who will occasionally ogle what is on the T V screen. But I do think that then this is a a whole other part of the conversation. But as a guy I can tell you you appreciate uh you appreciate your intimate life more. You appreciate female beauty around you, especially the female beauty of the person that you are romantically with. You appreciate that more. If you are not watching five hours of porn a day, you, I'm you, it is a desensitization that occurs over time. I'm telling you guys who are listening. If you're like, you know, well, whatever age you may be, if if this is something that you, if porn is playing a role in your life, get rid of it, get rid of it the way you'd get rid of like a bad, of, of a bad habit. You won't look back. I'm telling you, you won't look back, and you will realize that uh, it, it has a, it has a negative effect. I don't, I'm not somebody who's oh, pornography is the reason that we like the society's coming apart. Although I know some very smart people who make who make some pretty compelling arguments about that. I'm just saying for your own for your own day to day purposes, uh, you know, it, it, it's kind of like if you had, if you know, if you have access to, let's say you have access to an entire, to a store just full of sugary candy, right? Just a a candy, also known as a candy store. And you're just eating, eating, eating candy, candy, candy all the time, right? And then somebody shows up and you have a chocolate cake that is like homemade and delicious and perfect. If you have been every day leading up to that, three meals a day, stuffing your face with Starbursts and, you know, what else you know, the Twizzlers and, all this junk I used to eat sometimes when my parents weren't looking as a kid, you will appreciate that chocolate cake less. I I think, Mike, is this analogy? Am I, am I, is this making sense or is this too weird? You you okay? I'm making sense? Thank you. So Mika does not have to tell us about the president's alleged uh, desire to watch adult entertainment in the White House. I bet it was a joke that if she heard this at all, if it isn't actually just fake news, I bet it's a joke. And it's quite clear that when it comes to Trump, the media cannot take a joke. Speaking of which, uh, so I had a little bit of a, a little Twitter exchange. I know a lot of you aren't on Twitter, but I'll kind of explain to you how it went today. I mean, this is just the stuff when I say to myself, maybe I, I, I just want Twitter where I can talk to all of you. You know, I don't want annoying, self-righteous, entitled, overpaid TV journalists like just annoying me. I, I don't need it, but, but one of them did today. And I think it's it, it illuminates a fundamental lie at the heart of the mainstream media. And we'll get into that shortly. If you're looking for the most comfortable t-shirts, hoodies, sweatpants, polo shirts possible that also are representative of your values and support a great veteran-owned and operated company, you need to go check out my friends at Nine Line Apparel. Nine Line is a veteran-owned and operated patriotic lifestyle brand, and it has all different kinds of designs. You go on their site, you'll see for yourself, they have uh, Second Amendment support designs, veterans, first responders, supporting the police. Blue Lives Matter. They've got all kinds of things you should really go see for yourself. Men's and women's and kids' stuff. I've been to their store. I've seen the gear. I wear their T-shirts and other things that they've uh, been able to create over the years. Their stuff is the best. Go check it out. Go to 9lineapparel.com. Coupon code BUCK20 for 20% off. That's 9 9- LineApparel.com Coupon code BUCK20 That's BUCK20 For 20% off Your entire next order. Buck
0: Sexton Permission <laughs> Decoding the news And disseminating information With actionable intelligence
2: One all On. On. Make no mistake America Ready great. You're a great American Again
0: This is the Buck Sexton Show Activate. Former CIA analyst Former member of the NYPD Buck Sexton
2: It is Buck Sexton Now
1: Welcome to hour three, folks. It's a free product, Friday, that is for sure. And you know, I, I I try to I try to approach my my business with a, a certain degree of of uh, decorum and responsibility and respect and and even friendliness whenever possible. I really try uh, to do my best to. Even when I disagree strongly with people, not make it personal, not get nasty, not be uh, you know not essentially not not be a jerk but not everybody else really takes that approach. Some people like to be very and I mean media folks, right I'm not talking about just whoever can get a Twitter account. I mean people that are blue the blue check Twitter, right the public person Twitter. sometimes people uh, can be a bit snappy. A bit rude, a little bit unfair, and honestly, just just kind of nasty. So you know, this is where I, I I have to tell you that I had a uh, yet another. It's so interesting. Uh, Mister Tapper over at CNN seems to like to uh, goad me on Twitter, uh, and and never just debate back and forth the issue, but always likes to. And remember, this is just about tweets, right? Say someone's lying, say that I, I, someone's being dishonest, I'm being dishonest or I'm lying. And I'm like, the, the, the tweets stand for themselves, man. It's, a, it's, a public, it's essentially a public record of somebody's thoughts in, in real time that they decide to share uh, with with you know, whomever wants to get on the Internet. But I just think this was, this was very instructive about why, why does the media uh, turn so many people off? Why are they so distrusted? Why are they more distrusted now than ever before? Why does Donald Trump's statement about fake news not only resonate with so many people, but also uh, why is it that they're so sensitive about it? And I have to say, uh, th- this I think is a pretty good uh, version of it. I think this, this gives you a sense, who, uh, a sense of what the problems are here. So the New York Times... Uh, wrote that the Justice Department seized a, as we've been discussing, right? they seized a reporter's phone and email records, its first known use of such an aggressive tactic under President Trump. And I just fired out to this. When Obama did this, the press was willing to overlook it. They made it okay for Obama because he was so perfect. press won't overlook it now, but guess what? Too late. Now, I am obviously, as somebody who works in media and also used to work in the intelligence community, aware of the media's coverage, meaning that there was coverage of the various spying iterations by the Obama administration that specifically targeted journalists, right? I, I am obviously very aware of that. Now, it's Twitter, it's shorthand, it's short form, I get all that. But uh, immediately, I got a, a very uh, a very nasty Respon- I, and by the way i wasn't tweeting at jake tapper i don't care you know to me i mean jake tapper you could replace him with 15 other guys at cnn tomorrow the ratings wouldn't change and and i, I wouldn't care i mean it's I, I his his opinion is not relevant to me uh but he, his opinion of me is something he decided to uh, to share in a particularly aggressive fashion i'm trying to actually pull up the whole cuz this made it onto mediaite folks so this this got picked up as a separate story so I said that, and then you get yeah. Jake Tapper, uh, Jake Tapper corrects CIA analyst for claiming media ignored Obama press crackdown. So sick of the lying. That's what. So Jake said, so sick of the lying in response to me, and then shared a bunch of his own because he's the media apparently. I mean, the media is a lot, right? It's a very sweeping judgment. I understand. There's really you. You could be engaged in a bit of sophistry and say there's no such thing as the media position on anything, which is kind of technically true but also useless, right? Because there's clearly a a focus, a preponderance on or a focus and a, a tendency, preponderance is the wrong word, uh, for the media to take things a certain way. Um so I, I have to say I think this is so fascinating because you know then I get so he calls it a lie. I responded to him and this was all in in uh in real time, I responded to him that by overlook, I'm making a judgment about the intensity of the coverage and the outrage over the tactic. I'm obviously not saying nobody covered it. How would I have known about it if it wasn't through the news? But by all means, use obtuse literalism as an opening to call it a lie. And then Jake says, that's not how words work. And I said, that's really cute, Jake, or that's really you know funny or whatever. Uh, he's very nasty to people on Twitter. He has this reputation. He does this all the time. And I think it's because uh, fundamentally, he's a part of a lie. If you want to talk about lying. And the lie is that CNN is an objective news source. Which if he was asked, he would say it is. So he is living a lie every day. He is fundamentally a part of a lie by being a part of an organization that claims to be unbiased and fair. Now, on the merits of this specific issue of whether they were willing to overlook Obama uh, and the spying that occurred under his watch i want to make it very clear that yeah i, I could have said largely overlooked there's some way you know if, if i was trying to be focused in on precision where nobody could quibble with me i, I could do that but is the position that the media and by the way i got a whole pile on people in new york times washington post they're all oh we covered it we covered it yeah really where are the editorials asking for eric holder's resignation for seizing the phone records of journalists for listing James Rosen of Fox News as an unindicted co-conspirator. Oh, that's right, it was Fox. Do we think they were as as upset about it when it was at Fox than they would have been in other places? Because, you know, journalism. They point me to all these editorials, they say a troubling precedent for the Obama administration. The Obama administration was, was effectively preparing to gut, or in the process of gutting national security reporting overall. You'd think that people who make a living doing that would be more than just like publishing an editorial here and there. Yeah, we don't think Ob- we don't think Obama should do this. Do you think one journalist changed his mind about Obama and the Obama administration based on this? No, but you see, my my problem is, folks, and and I and I appreciate uh, Tapper uh, trying to correct me on that. Correct me, as Mediate says. By the way, Mediaite also just makes it even worse by saying that I I uh, ignored. I never said ignored. I said overlook. But overlook doesn't mean that you're unaware of it, right? I mean, overlook in the context that I was using it is to say, you know, they were like, yeah, it's not that big a deal. I'm not saying they never mention it because that's crazy because obviously I could only know about the story for media coverage. So it's it's a nonsensical point. But it brings me back to the center of, of the wheelhouse here, which is, but see, CNN is just peddling A falsehood every day by pretending that they are not an organization devoted to the destruction of the Trump administration to uh, hopefully, if they have their way, uh, making Donald Trump uh, lose his presidency and also maybe go to prison. People around him go to prison. They would cheer, I'm sure, if they could get, you know, Jared or Ivanka or somebody brought up on some kind of uh, lame Mickey Mouse Mueller going to the mat kind of charges. They'd be very happy with that. And so that's why I think there is this heightened sensitivity, because people realize, oh, okay, let's quibble with my language over the double standard of Obama versus Trump when it comes to the media's coverage of their spying. Let's do that. By the way, it's not just the spying that Obama did that they glossed over. There we go. That's what I should they That they briefly touched on in some news stories that they quickly forgot about. There wasn't some big narrative. There were no journalists who were saying, "Oh, you know, we we really need to rethink this whole uh, Obama love fest that we've been having." Come on, right? that's that's not what happened. We all know that's what happened. But even beyond that, you got journalists that are running stories every day now about how U.S. citizens like Carter Page can, with the discretion of the national security industry, lose all their uh, all their Fourth Amendment rights. Right? They they, they can just. Uh, Pick up their emails, listen to whatever they want. Journalists are fine with that because it's against Trump. I mean, the double standard is so glaring. It's laughable that anybody would try to say otherwise. But instead of that, call someone a liar. By the way, very strong. I I was sharing an opinion. Mr. Tapper is unfamiliar with the difference between an opinion and a fact. It's not a fact to say that the the media, which is not an individual, it's a general conception of organizations, the media overlooking something is not a factual statement. I didn't say they actually never covered it. But you'll notice that, that, that they'd rather play this game of, well, we're the ones that are calling facts because Trump world is all full of lies. And also, I've actually never met Tapper, never spoken a word to him, don't, don't know much about him. I know he's nasty to people on a regular basis on Twitter, and I can tell you kind of funny stories about how this is the way that he operates, right? He, can, he won't let things go. He de- and he demands retractions, demands retractions. Like, who do you think you are? Thinks he's very important. That much is clear very very full of himself. Uh, but on the on the the underlying substance here and you know as i said this got different journalists all way and they're all dog me oh you're like, look at this article look at this article yeah yeah idiots i know that you wrote articles about the obama spying the point is you were willing to move on past it and not make it a major issue because obama and i'm just saying that i doubt there'll be the same tendency with trump and his administration and using national security powers to spy on journalists this shouldn't be controversial, actually. This should be a pretty obvious thing to say, but you get heat for it. Why? Because when you point out the double standard, they get upset. The same way when you call them fake news, they get upset. Because they do roam with fake news. Oh, no, I'm sorry, you're right. Stormy Daniels, night after night after night, that's not fake news. Well, what, what is that? They're creating news out of a non-news story. So what, what do they want us to call that? Anyway. Look, I mean, this is why I think some days, you know, just retreat to the woods, write some novels. Nobody will read. Learn how to, like, trap some fish, you know? Get, like, some, some of those gloves and the, the thing you need, the, the mask and everything for the honey, you know? I mean, you got to have honey. You got to have sweetener. I'm not a, I'm not a barbarian, right? And Live out in the woods. Get some honey. Just kind of keep it all going, you know? Get an old record player because that just feels a little more old-timey. Put on the cat stevens let the cat purr some days man i just feel like that's the way to go You know this this whole trying trying to be out there fighting the fight you know taking it to, just just trying to spread spread knowledge and, and truth to the best of my ability you know you have days you're just like man should have been like uh you know set up like a tiki bar somewhere real nice you know i had some like live music that would play i'm getting myself all excited here i'm some of you are probably gonna send me recommendations. Move to this city. You can or this town. You know, you can just hang out by the beach. Just chill. One day it would be also be fun to just have a Twitter account that like is not like I have no professional involvement in, in the media anymore. And I can actually just tell people what I think of them. That would be fun. And really tell them. Like just say it and not care. But I would get in trouble and profanity is a problem and you know stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know people will say, you know, buck, technically you shouldn't call a person that even if they're a terrible CNN jerk. Uh so, you know, it is what it is. Um anyway. Ah, uh, yes. I, I this is why I just hate Twitter because it's it's useful to a point, but as a means of conversation, it's no no one's actually trying to engage. They're really just in there's they're seeing who can come up with the sickest burn and who can create the biggest dog pile effect to silence, you know, the the people that they don't like. And I, I just find it, uh, I find it childish, find it pretty annoying. And, you know, anyway, my, my last thing with uh, Tapper was when, I, when he said that Scooter Libby leaked the name of a covert CIA officer, and I'm like, I think he actually said agent because he doesn't know the difference between an agent and an officer. And uh, although don't quote me on that, oh, my gosh, I could be wrong. Um, but I'm, I'm willing to bet that was correct. And I'm just like, well, that's actually not what happened, but.
2: We got your news, blah 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 blah.
1: Okay, all right, you know, and, and all the other CNN, they all come, they're all like a team, like a, like a big, it's like a clown car of of well of clowns, <laughs> the clown news network, and they all come after you, and, rah, 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 yelling at you and stuff. So few people that go on air there now and share opinions. Uh, I have really any respect for at this point. I mean, professionally, I mean, personally, I can't speak to it, but professionally, it's who. Who's, who's the down the middle person you can trust over there that's not skewing, that's not feeding into the Russia collusion fantasy? Anyway, some people just need a buck slap, whether they realize they got one or not. Uh, we'll be right back. When you're at work your dogs, you know, they're, they're cooped up all day inside. So when you get home, you, you want to let them burn off some energy, you know, run around the yard a little bit, you know, jump around. Maybe you're going to throw a ball, play fetch. But if they start digging, you can have a problem under your hands because guess what? Digging can go under your fence. And you might have tried brick and wood, even concrete. But have you tried Dig Defense? It is a genius solution to the problem of pets digging under the fence. It extends the protection of your fence underground. No amount of digging is going to let your pet get out of the yard or let predators get in. Dig Defense comes in a bunch of different models and sizes. It is easy to install with a hammer and a pair of gloves. If you have pets digging under the fence, check out Dig Defense right now. Available online at Lowe's, Menards, Wayfair, and StopTheDig.com. Dig Defense is the solution to pets digging under the fence and getting out or letting predators in. StopTheDig.com. Uh, so here we go now we can put some some facts some figures into uh, what we already know about the whole uh, NFL flag kneeling controversy you have here that a majority of U.S voters say that the National Football League players who kneel in protest are are, are not unpatriotic according to a new poll By a 58% to 35% margin, those surveyed in a Quinnipiac University poll voiced disagreement with the notion that players who during games uh, protest police shootings of unarmed black men are disrespectful of America. A majority of voters, 53%, also offered support for athletes' right to protest on their playing fields and courts, while 43% expressed opposition. Now, first of all, calling them unpatriotic is very strong, so I I feel like the poll is automatically skewing uh, and and making it likelier to get a certain outcome than to ask, do you agree with their choice to do it? To call them unpatriotic is to pass judgment on the individuals themselves. I think a much better way to approach this would be to say, what do you think of the decision to do that? Um, So that's one part of this. And then also having the right to protest on the on the playing field, that's you know I think that's just that's only fifty three percent, so it's pretty evenly split. But I think a lot of that is just people who don't understand that you know sure enough, uh, the owners are allowed to set rules and regulations for their for their businesses. So. It's not a right issue. It's a what is the owner one issue. But this was the most interesting part of this. You know, because You We're talking about all this NFL kneeling stuff these days. This is the most interesting part of it. That 70% of Republicans called NFL players kneeling unpatriotic and 81% said they did not have a right to protest during games. While 85% and 82% of Democrats disagreed. So the NFL kneeling issue. Which brings in all different kinds of complexities. And, you know, is it a free speech thing? Is it a a police relations with minority communities? There's so many ways you can slice this and look at this. But this has become, just like guns, a straight up polarized partisan issue. You, whatever, you know, whatever you are as party affiliation goes is what you think about this issue now, according to this poll with some, obviously with some exceptions because you know eighty five percent and eighty five percent there's some some le- some who are left out of this but it is overwhelmingly the case now that just like if if you support gun rights you are almost certainly a republican if you support uh the right to life instead of uh the right to an abortion you are almost certainly a republican now we can put nFL kneeling during the anthem on this list of issues that separate people out from each other and that are uh very much part of the uh the the political proxy fight that's going on all the time so i think you i think you uh gonna have some more kneeling come the fall that's for sure i I can't i don't know enough to say which teams and who's the most likely with it but You know, I'm just amazed too. These Democrats who say they don't find it unpatriotic when somebody does that—you know—the flag is also a cultural thing now. I guess Democrats have this notion that there's no, you know, don't no need to respect the flag. I I guess Uh, we'll be right back. Stay with me.
0: He's holding the line for America. Buck Sexton is back. Hey, Team Buck, it's time for Roll
1: Call. Roll Call Friday. I think we're going to have a little exciting... Extended session here in the Freedom Hub. We get into a little bit more of the roll call than we do on an average day. Although, lately I've been trying to extend it uh, just because I enjoy doing it so much. Because I like hearing from all of you. Well, I suppose, technically it is reading from all of you. But it's uh, certainly something that is, that is fun to do. So, uh, with that in mind, let's get into into it Uh, we have hold on one second let's see we got here it's it's coming up it's coming there we go lanny hey buck uh heart the show thank you lanny shields high from arizona oh my god you were talking about impersonations yesterday and i swear you have the best i've ever heard uh the best alex jones impersonation that is hands down enjoy your weekend with miss molly oh by the way it is produce uh gosh buck speak english Pronounced Lonnie, not Lanny. Okay, Lonnie, thank you so much.
2: Lanny, thank you. You're obviously not too old. The Bilderbergs, and the Illuminati.
1: Google it. Uh, so there you have it, David. Uh, by the way, I've realized that there you have it is my uh, is my latest and greatest uh, filler for when I can't get a segment to pop up as quickly as I want. Brian writes, "I thought this was funny." High-capacity magazines turn regular firearms into fully automatic weapons. Uh, and he's, it's a letter. Brian, I don't know who this letter is from, but it looks great. So I don't know. I, can't, I, can't, I literally can't read any of it. But clearly, fully. I don't know. I don't know what it says. <laughs> That's all I got for you, buddy. Next up is Adam. Never wrestle with pigs. You both get dirty and the pig likes it george bernard shaw yes that's the full quote that i referenced in passing Uh, so thank you very much adam for that i get uh domka with the next message here hello mderka how are you um i'm good domka what is mderka and why are you writing it to me on facebook that would be the that would be the question that I want to pose to you straight away. And next up is Hannah. Um, by the way, if you want to be a part of Roll Call, Facebook.com slash Buck Sexton. And uh, here we go. We have Hannah who writes, Hey, man, love the show. Thanks for all you do. So as I commission a Men of the Blaze calendar, uh, if I get this done, can we get you for an October surprise? Hmm? Also, I would GoFundMe Hillary's What Happened in your impression of her. I listen for the impressions. Millennial and Hillary are the best. Wow, thank you, Hannah. Uh, OSS, homie. Shields high. Great. Great to hear from you. I got it. The Hillary personation, it's so funny that people like it because I, I always think to myself, is anyone going to be mad at me because this doesn't actually sound at all like Hillary Clinton? But it, it, as I say, it captures her essence in a way that I think very few other impersonators are able to. I think that there's, there's a particular resonance with folks when they hear me do the Hillary impersonation because they're like, you know what? It doesn't sound like Hillary, but I know anyway that it is, in fact, Hillary. Uh, next up is Matt Buck. You've been lamenting the lack of proper email address for the show. Have you thought about having a contest for listeners for Choose the Address? I'd go for Bucktopia at an email address. As always, love the show. Shields high. Matt, that's actually a great idea. I like I like Bucktopia. Uh, we're going to have a new email address. We're going to have it soon. I'm just waiting to get more information on uh, our website redesign, which is happening as we speak. And once that is up, we'll be able to go from there. Uh, next up here, William. I know your generation needs to have your hero, but when you put it under the microscope, LeBron is just a distant second best from his aridness, Michael Jordan. I know that Michael has more uh, more rings. I know that, right? And I know that um, Jordan is an icon that is really timeless. But I got to say, LeBron... Yeah, he's so dominant. So dominant. You know what the truth is, guys? I don't watch enough basketball to have all that much of an informed opinion on this. LeBron has been the eight finals in a row. That's a very good point. That's Thank
4: impressive that. as heck, and Jordan never did that. But that's because Jordan left to play baseball. Just just saying.
1: There you go. Yeah, you know, I, I was uh last night I was moving into my apartment and uh down here and I spent you know, I spent some time and, and I had to go out on the street in the neighborhood, and I walked, and I remember thinking, my gosh, I thought New York was loud. This city's crazy. Like, it's so loud here. There's so much noise and commotion, so many things going on on the street. But sure enough, uh, what I didn't realize until I went out and saw the oceans of people running around everywhere with uh, red jerseys on is that... The Capitals were in the Stanley Cup Finals. Did you know this, producer Mike? I was unaware of this, and I'm here in DC. I'm in the swamp. It yeah. turns out a swamp team is in the is in the Stanley Cup Finals, and and in fact won. So everybody was was getting really uh, you know amped up over this. Obviously, all these people walking around these red Capitals jerseys in the street. I was looking for paper products. I won't get any more specificity than that. It was kind of it was toward the the later part of the evening. I was looking for paper products because, truth be told, when you move into a place, sometimes you forget things. Like I don't have paper products there, uh, and I went into a, a a Walgreens, and when I was in the Walgreens, it was wall to wall people in these red jerseys, and you know they were all. Um, excited about the Capitals, but my favorite thing was that there was a real commotion at one point by the coolers, and I could see what was going on. These guys were just looking around. This one guy goes, you guys, oh no, they only have one kind of beer left, and it's O'Doul's, and the whole crowd's like, no, they all got so upset, because there was a fair amount of drinking going on, and uh, pretty much every store within I'd say a ten-block radius of this downtown DC Stanley Cup party had uh, had been ransacked. I mean, people paid for it, but but they were out of booze, and so when the only thing they had left was Odules, that did not sit well uh, with the folks who had assembled there. They were not they were not happy about it. Uh, next up here. Oh, yeah, so that was my story about the Stanley Cup. I also thought it was a playoff game. I didn't realize it was a Stanley Cup Finals. so I need to become, well, better versed, I suppose, in D.C.-based teams. Willie writes, Buck, legal aliens can lose their citizenship when committing a felony. Once lost, they are classed as illegal aliens. Um, Well, Willie, good to know. Thank you uh, very much for... For the tip, I know if you're here on a visa, you can certainly be deported if you do anything bad. Uh, but is it you know, Mike? Can you check that? Can you you can really, if you're a permanent resident, you can lose your citizenship. That's an interesting uh, thing to throw into the mix. Uh, that is something that might have escaped the buck wisdom, such as it is. Here we go. Aries writes, "I'm sick and tired." Uh, I'm sick and tired of these stupid conservatives getting their butts kicked on TV as it concerns illegal immigration. The leftists always say that immigrants commit less crime than most of the native population, which is exactly true for every non-Islamic immigrant population in the world. However, close to 60% of illegal aliens are criminals. If an uneducated white male like me knows this, why don't more people speaking up for our movement know? Are they just brain lazy or stupid? Um... Hmm. Interesting. All right, Aries. So Aries throwing out some. I don't know if I've never seen that statistic before. So there you you go, Aries. Uh, Throw call. I I just I read what the people say. Joseph next up here here. It's trying to get to your sponsor. Is it nine lives apparel dot com? Uh, from Joe here. Joe, I'm sorry if my my diction was insufficient here, which can often often be the case. It is nine line dot com nine line uh, because it's a specific reference to a nine line is 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 when there uh, is a soldier who makes a medivac request for someone injured on the battlefield. So the a nine line is to get somebody off the battlefield. Uh, and that's where nine line apparel comes from. So think of it like nine, like the number nine, and line, like draw a line in the sand. Conservatives on one side, evil liberals on the other. Uh, Well, I want to get into some more roll call, but you know what? Let me me take a quick pause here, take a little beat, and uh, when we come back, we'll hear more of your thoughts, and we'll kick it off right for the weekend. So uh, stay with me.
5: know better than both those things and uh, this this was it, it, the, the psychology of donald trump is is it at the heart uh, of the story uh, who is he and what does he think and why does he think so abnormally why uh, does he act so abnormally He's Ooh. as dismissive of truth as he is of ethics. It's, you know, we go Ooh. on and on and on with this. I just want to say uh, the most disturbing part of the news to, to me today uh, was this notion that he's he wants to now send uh, uh, troops to the border. Um, you, you know it's true that uh, yeah okay yeah come on Elliot you know <laughs> both those things. <laughs> I'm sad to say, say that say it also can lead to the uh, the diminishment of democracy. Yeah okay yeah come on Elliot. Oh, diminishment know of democracy. Both those really? My th- the only
6: word. For
1: it is. You you outdid yourself with that montage, man. That was amazing. I asked for a gurgling. That was amazing. Dude. You get <laughs> was You get a straight up. I destroyed democracy.
2: I love it. And the thing
1: is, that's the guy they bring out when CNN wants to get serious. That's the guy who comes out, and it's just like it's like everybody, wait, be quiet. Everyone, be quiet. Gergen wants to wants to gurgle for a Reagan's diction for democracies <laughs> and you look you heard i'm not it's a good impersonation you you know you could be a big Gergen fan or not and you know i'm just saying the impersonation i think is, is pretty <laughs> that's a democracy. that's one of my favorite ones to do Max. I used to have to sit there sometimes i used to have to sit there and be like oh now i get to get lectured by this guy or young whippersnapper
0: over here know a thing
1: about another thing and uh the oh good times good times uh let's see what we have next here um boom uh we have i i'm sorry i made my i made it i made it disappear the uh the messages which i should not do team because i've got limited time here to get to all the rest of the roll call oh man this weekend i'm i i'm gonna drink some mezcal that's what i'm gonna do that's what that's what i've got on that's the only thing i know for sure there will be there will be Mezcal. You've seen There Will Be Blood.
6: We drink up the oil.
1: That was actually pretty good too for thank you. For on the fly. I haven't watched that movie in a while. And Daniel Day Lewis is like creepy good in that. It's like, did you actually just become that that person? Because it doesn't seem very much like there's much Daniel Day Lewis left as you're watching that. All right. Um we have Taylor next in our roll call here. Taylor writes. Uh, Don't beat me up too bad, bro. The T-bones were on sale. These stuffed portobello mushrooms, though. Oh, my. Look, I don't hate on vegetables when vegetables are used as either an accompaniment to or a vehicle for the ingestion of meat or cheese or dairy. So those are my rules. Veggies are great as long as there is meat and there's more meat than veggies and veggies that are used so that you can either eat a form of cheese or any form of meat that is a completely acceptable choice as well as to your t-bone in this photo you've sent me taylor instead of ribeye i will say this ribeye is very fatty i know that it's fatty and it's delicious but sometimes you want to mix it up you know steak is a steak i'll go flank steak i'll go ribeye i'll go butcher cut steak I i like all of the above as long as you get a good sear on it and you cook that meat well and you you season it a bit not too much you know just a little bit and then i think you're then i think you're all good then i think you're good to go so thank you for sharing that with me my friend i would like to get to get some cooking going this weekend but you know we'll see if that ends up happening john next up here do you want to get someone from the boy scouts on there are a ton of misconceptions about the changes recently Mike, do we have something for the for the Boy Scout situation here? Maybe I, don't, I mean, is there? We'll we'll talk about it. Maybe there's like a national Boy Scout expert, uh, or or troop leader or something. Whatever. We wouldn't want an expert. We want to want somebody part of the organization. But I'll give it some thought, my friend. I'm feeling very inclusive today. Uh, like salad minus the egg because I want it to be vegan inclusive. Bill. Right, Hey, Buck, I've been seeing some news lately uh, about the guy that did the Las Vegas shooting regarding his motives, but I question the sources. The fact that we also haven't heard very much follow-up on this gives me pause. What have you heard, Bill? Great question, and the truth is I have heard very little on this. I I don't have any outside sources or any particular insight into what happened in Las Vegas. All I can really say to you is um, I, I would like there to be more answers. I've said from the beginning, if you recall, if you've been listening to the show for a long time, that my expectation was that we would not find out really definitively what this guy's motive was, that there would never really come a time when we would be able to say to ourselves, um, okay, we 100% know what was going on here. So that, that's where I am on that. Uh, next up here, Tom writes, OSS, can even remember where I was when you made the announcement you've been on air five days a week. Buck, seriously, wouldn't eating less vegetables be better for the planet? Killing and eating the animals that relentlessly murder our precious oxygen-providing plants is the only way to be green. Don't these vegans care about the planet? Tom, I appreciate the sarcasm, and also uh, thank you for being with me from the very earliest days. It is a great honor, and it is very much appreciated, and you're a good man. He spells Tom with an H. I've never, I've only seen that once before. It's with the guy from uh, Radiohead. Lead singer Radiohead does that too. That's right, yeah. I know, I know some things about some stuff. That's going to be it for the Freedom Hut for today, my friends. Next week, I'll have a podcast up. Speaking of Freedom Hut, the Freedom Hut with Buck Sexton, so get ready for that one. This week, we got pushed for some other stuff. It will be up next week, and uh, that also means that you've got a great weekend ahead of you because I say so. See you all on Monday, or at least talk to you all Monday. Shield tie. The enigmatic U.S. president is dead. ISIS is attacking on multiple fronts, and the U.S. special forces call on a mercenary cyber warrior to stop the crisis. This is Anubis. An aging Marine sergeant and battle-worn Army major face an enemy that turns the Internet into a terrorist weapon and makes our existing concepts of security archaic. A catastrophe of biblical proportions is about to unfold. The new president is facing a ruthless, relentless caliphate, and our military and elected leaders have no means to stop it. The only real questions are when and where. This is Anubis. Today's headlines show us what is happening in the Middle East. Author Eric Anderson reveals the frightening possibilities that remain. With this is Anubis. Eric Anderson is a former undercover U.S. intelligence agent. His new novel from Dun Books is Anubis. That's A N U B I S. Available on Amazon.com or at DunBooks.com.